So I was born in Springfield, Missouri. I went to college and ROTC at the University of Kansas. I joined the Air Force to see the world, and they sent me to Oklahoma. <laughs> Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City, to be exact. Now, I did get to see the world, but that came later, and that's a different set of stories. Now, on this particular day, I was 26 years old. I was a first lieutenant. I was a flight commander, and I was assigned to the 32nd Combat Communications Squadron, 3rd Combat Communications Group, better known by its uh, nickname of the Third Herd. Uh, we were a deployable communications squadron of about 150 people. I was responsible for about 50 of them. So this particular day started out like most any other. We started with our flight meeting first thing, and we had uh, uh, went through the training stories of the week and the mission and things that needed to get done and so on. We, but, but the meeting ended a little non-standard. We had a cake and a little recognition ceremony for one of our young airmen, uh, Airman First Class Cartney McRaven. She had just been named the squadron's Airman of the Year out of about 150 people, and she had also just gotten married the weekend before to another member of the squadron. So we had a nice little cake and a ceremony to tell her congratulations for both getting married and winning this honor in the award, or winning this honor in the squadron. Now she was just one of those troops that as a leader you looked at and went, if you give me a squadron of her, I can be unstoppable. She was a wonderful troop, hard worker. Obviously she had just won a major, uh, a nice award. Uh, and like me, she was from the Midwest. She was from South Dakota. And, I, and she had also joined the Air Force to see the world. So we, we finished up and wrapped up and uh, we said our congrats again and, and uh, she headed off. She was going down to the Social Security office to get her name legally changed because she had just gotten married that weekend. So sometime later, I was sitting in the squadron staff meeting with the squadron commander and everybody, and the commander's secretary burst in and said that there were news reports that a bomb had just gone off downtown. This day might have started off like any other, but the date was April 19th, 1995, and an Army veteran named Timothy McVeigh had decided to make a statement. And he made a statement with what we call in today's parlance a vehicle-borne improvised explosive device that he had stationed outside the Alfred Murrah building in downtown Oklahoma City, and he detonated it. So we were all initially in shock, weren't sure what to do. We kind of milled about a little bit and, and tried to figure out how we could help, what could we do. And then a short time later, I got the news that no military leader ever wants to hear. One of my troops was unaccounted for. One of the people I was responsible for was missing and it was Cartman. So again, after a little bit more milling about, and if I'm being honest, a little bit of conjecture and rumor mill among us going, was this a Middle Eastern terrorist attack? Was, you know, what, what's going on? Uh, keep in mind, this is pre-9-11. This is before Kobar Towers, but you, you still kind of go there. There were enough terrorist incidents around the world to wonder if this might be uh, what we were facing. So after some coordination with uh, the state and the local officials, we started loading up. We were a mobile deployable communication squadron, but we also had stuff that could be useful. We had cots, generators, tents, camping gear on steroids, we called it. So we started loading up and, and we headed down and pulling up on the scene, is a, it's tough to come up with the words today. Surreal just doesn't quite cut it. It was this, this hulking ruin. You've seen pictures and video uh, most, for the most part. Two thirds of the building just caved in on itself. It was, it was not a good scene to, to show up. 
But we got there and we got to work. We had good, we had good people. We were trained, we were, and, and now our folks were motivated because one of our own was in that building. So that was the start of what I call my longest day. It's, it's actually several 24-hour periods, but the time span is one contiguous period in my mind. The memories are all jumbled together. And I can, I can remember some very powerful experiences throughout that, that, uh, throughout that time frame. Uh, for one thing, when you were down at the site and working, you were never hungry because when Oklahoma grandmothers don't know what else to do, they start cooking. <laughs> to say nothing of all the restaurants and other folks that donated food. I remember another shift. Uh, one, one of the coordinators, one of the incident commanders came to us and said, we need military members, we need military people. Of course, what do you need, where do you need us? So we went over to the zone that they needed us and I ended up being part of a, uh, an ad hoc honor guard to repatriate the remains of the Marine Corps captain who was in charge of the recruiting office that was also in the building. Now to be fair, during this time, we're, we're still holding out hope that, uh, that Cartney could be found. Um, it, it's, uh, it's obviously a, a powerful experience. Um, but eventually, of course, over time, the, uh, the folks get, uh, every, everyone gets identified and, and accounted for except for those who are in the building. There was another time uh, during the, the period that uh, the, uh, one of the coordinators came and said, we need people to help with the rescue dogs. So we go and, oh, sure, what do you need? So we go there and several of us ended up going inside the building and covering ourselves with rubble and pretending to be victims because the, vic the rescue dogs were becoming so despondent at not, finding, uh, at not finding people, they were refusing to go in the building and work. So that, that's another powerful experience. Now throughout this time, I learned some very powerful lessons. Uh, number one, I learned as a leader, be careful, choose your words carefully because you can't take them back. I still cringe at some of the things that I told Cartney's husband, Shane, uh, in the early hours, just being optimistic that we're gonna find her and, and surely she's, she's, gonna be, she's gonna come through, it's gonna be okay. And I was just faking optimism with nothing to back it up. So you gotta be careful in those moments. To be fair, we did hold out hope for several days, but eventually, Things, uh, everyone was accounted for, and sadly, her body was actually found several weeks later in the recovery. I also learned that you shouldn't jump to conclusions. Um, you know, like I said, we, we initially thought it might be a Middle Eastern terrorist, but to find out later that it was a former colleague in the profession of arms who decided to make such a statement would be infuriating and insulting as a member of that profession of arms. So again, don't jump, don't jump to conclusions. So overall, I learned a lot of individual lessons, but I think the, the bigger lesson for all of us is let's all work towards a society where people like McVeigh don't need to make statements like that so people like Cartney get their chance to see the world. Thank you. <laughs>